And so again, this is a special Sunday where we get to look back at what God has done, and as we get to look forward in faith to what God, Lord willing, will do through the ministry here at Grace Bible Church, and today we get to celebrate. But the question I want to ask and answer as we look just briefly here at 2 Samuel chapter 6 is what does celebration among the people of God look like? What does a party among the people of God really look like? And as you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter 6, what we're going to really see here in this passage are two primary things, two primary reminders here in 2 Samuel 6. Number one is as we celebrate, we must keep in mind the holiness of God. But the second thing we see in 2 Samuel 6 is that as we celebrate, we also get to celebrate the goodness and faithfulness of God. And so hopefully by now you have found 2 Samuel chapter 6 in your Bible. What we're going to take a look, we're going to look quickly at the entire chapter, 23 verses, really in two parts. Part 1, verses 1 through 11, I've labeled death in the street, focusing in on the holiness of God. But then starting in verse 12 through the end of the chapter, I've entitled Dancing in the Street. You can cue the music by David Bowie and Mick Jagger. And we'll see this in verses 12 through 23. But grab your Bibles. Let's take a look first at really this first idea of death in the street. And as a little bit of background, what you need to understand in the first uh, major part of the book of 2 Samuel, David has conquered the city of Jerusalem. He's built his home there, and now David is intent on making Jerusalem the center of religious worship among the people of God. And in order for Jerusalem to be the center of worship, the ark must be brought into the city. And up to this point, really, the story of the ark is very interesting as the story of the ark is, is really one of loss and recovery. The ark up until this point has been captured by the Philistines. It's been uh, recaptured by the people of Israel. And now David is intent on bringing the ark to Jerusalem. Because the ark represents the presence of God among his people. It's a sacred object. And so here as we pick it up in chapter 6, verse 1, David is intent on bringing the ark of God into the city of Jerusalem as the center of worship. Notice verses 1 through 5 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. The text says, Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baalei Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, that they might bring it from the house of Amenadab, who was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Amenadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. 
Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Sweet music. There'll be music everywhere. But here in these verses, we again need the reminder that the ark of God is the picture of God's presence among his people. And because it's this picture of God's presence among his people, the ark of God was supposed to be handled with respect and reverence. Now, as a little bit of background in the Mosaic law, God prescribed that the ark of God, when it was to be moved, it was to be carried on the shoulders of Levites who were to carry the ark by means of poles that were passed through. And I have here a very small replica of the ark. And so what was supposed to happen is the Levites were supposed to grab onto the poles and carry the ark of God as they transported it. But notice here in the text, that's not what they did. Verse 3 says, they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Amidadab. That's verse 3. Now what's really interesting about this is earlier, this is how the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, transported the ark when they captured it. They put it on a cart. And here it seems like the children of Israel are taking their cues more from the pagan Philistines than they are from the word of God. And so notice what takes place as a result of their disobedience. Notice verses 6 and 7. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there, notice, for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. And so as the ark of God was being transported in the wrong way, being drug along on this cart, they've come to a threshing floor, and perhaps they've hit a roadblock, or they've hit a, a pothole, if you will, in the threshing floor, and uh, that has caused the ark of God perhaps to tip, and Uzzah's reaction is to simply reach out and to prevent the ark of God from falling, a seemingly innocent gesture. But he wasn't supposed to touch the ark, only the Levites, and they were supposed to carry it by holding the poles. And so the text says, because of his irreverence, Uzzah died as the Lord's anger burned against him. The sobering lesson we see here in these introductory verses is that God is holy and we must hold him in reverence. And the ark, which represented God's presence, was not treated with the reverence it required. And so here we see the consequences. Well, notice verse 8, David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So notice David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling then to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. 
So David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite from Gath, a Philistine. Thus the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. But notice the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So as a result of the Lord's anger and discipline against Uzzah for not treating the ark with the reverence it deserved, David took a three-month time out. He wanted to bring the ark of God into Jerusalem, but seeing what happened, he, he paused his timeline for three months and he put the ark of God in the household of this man from Gath, Obed-Edom, a Philistine of all people. And again, all of this is happening because the respect towards God's holiness was not there. All of these verses really zero in on the the lesson to, as we celebrate, as we worship God's presence, first and foremost, our celebration is to be done with holiness. But as we take a look, starting in verse 12, we see that this idea of God's presence among his people, while to be done with reverence and holiness, is also a time, a reason for great rejoicing. And here we see dancing in the street. Notice verses 12 through 15. Now it was told King David, saying, The, house, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. And once again, here we see really part two of dancing in the street. So the text tells us that the Lord blessed the household of Obed-Edom because of the ark. And so when this report comes to David, David thinks, well, I want the blessing of the Lord. And so he resumes his plan to bring the ark of God into the city of Jerusalem. And by the way, as they bring the ark of God into Jerusalem, part two, take two, the book of First Chronicles chapter 15 tells, it, tells us that this time they did it in the proper way. They carried it with the poles, just as God had commanded. They learned their lesson, in other words. And notice as well that along the way, as the ark of God is being brought into Jerusalem, David is making sacrifices, and he's dancing in the street. Throughout the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms, dancing is a way of expressing worshipers' joy. We see as well here that there's the sound of music, the sound of the trumpet. However, in this great scene of celebration and rejoicing, not everybody is excited. In verse 16 we read, Then it happened as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, also the wife of David, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And notice this, she despised him in her heart. 
Now, like I said, Michael was one of David's wives. And so she sees her husband there dancing in the street and she despises him in her heart. One thing I want you to notice is whenever Michael is described, she's described as the daughter of Saul, which she was. But the author of 2 Samuel is reminding us of that for a reason. See, Michael is not acting like she's the wife of David. She's acting like the daughter of Saul. She's acting like her father. If you're a parent, you've probably done this with your spouse. Your kids acts up and you might look at your spouse and say, that's you, right? <laughs> they learned that from you. In a literary way, that's what the author of 2 Samuel is doing. He's telling us that Michael is acting like her father. Now hold that thought for now. Look at verses 17 through 19. So they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offering, the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread and one of the dates and one of the raisins to each one. And then all the people departed, each to his house. So again, these verses are describing a scene of celebration, a scene of rejoicing. It's filled with burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Each person is given food to celebrate the Lord's presence in their life. The entire scene is filled with celebration and partying and eating and blessing. But then in the next verse, we're reminded yet again that not everybody is excited to celebrate. Verse 20. But when David returned to bless his household, <clears throat> Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, sarcastically, if you will, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of his servants' maids as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. So you can imagine David's on top of the world. He's celebrating the, the presence of God there now in Jerusalem. He's thrown this tremendous party for the children of Israel. He returns to his own house, notice verse 20, to bless his own household, and there his wife is. Meeting him with a sarcastic comment. She says, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today, he uncovered himself in the eyes of his servant's maze. Remember, David was wearing a linen ephod. And there's really two ways to understand this. Uh, first, the linen ephod was the attire of the priest. But another way to understand this phrase, linen ephod, basically is his underwear. And that seems to be what Michael saw, is not only is David dancing in the street, but he's dancing in his underwear, of all things. <laughs> and so you can imagine, perhaps, why Michael might approach her husband and say, listen, you've brought shame upon yourself, David. Now, this isn't a good look. But from a literary perspective, again, notice that Michael is described as the daughter of Saul. 
the antagonistic spirit of Saul lives on in his daughter. And it's really for that that she's criticizing her husband who's celebrating the presence of God. So notice what happens in verses 21 through 23. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord. This, by the way, is not great marriage advice, this interaction between David and Michael. Uh, but David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father. Ooh, those are stinging words. It was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes. But with the maids of whom you have spoken with them, I will be distinguished. And verse 23 tells us Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. So David here defends his actions, saying he's done nothing wrong. He's simply dancing before the Lord, celebrating before the Lord. It was an act of worship. And by the way, verse 23, which might seem harsh, is the Lord's way of making sure that the family line of Saul has no part in the Davidic dynasty. By cutting off the family line of Saul through Michael, the spirit of Saul uh, will not continue. But again, here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, let's quickly just step back and let me summarize for just a minute. We see uh, two ideas here in the text. First, when it comes to celebrating the Lord, we must keep in mind that God is holy. And that as we celebrate, we must treat God with the reverence and respect that is due to him. But the second thing we see here in the text, this idea of dancing in the street, is that we have good reason to celebrate. To celebrate God's presence among his people. Here in our context, to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness to Grace Bible Church for 69 years and counting. And these are tremendous reasons to celebrate. Put together, kind of the, the major idea of this chapter is that the Lord's willingness to dwell among his people is certainly reason to celebrate. But he also expects his people to respect his holiness. To respect his holiness. It reminds me of the quote which I've shared with you a number of times from the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe when the children first hear about Aslan. And they ask Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. Because he's holy. But then Mr. Beaver goes on and he says, of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. We see the same lesson here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, that God is holy. He's to be treated with respect and reverence. But he's also good. He's faithful. And that's reason to celebrate. It reminds me of what Andy Wildman used to always say, that followers of Christ should take themselves less seriously while taking the Lord much more seriously. And that's a great summary here of 2 Samuel chapter 6. So today we get to celebrate God's faithfulness to this church for 69 years and counting. 
So let's continue to have a holy celebration together this morning as we rejoice in God's goodness and faithfulness to this church. Would you pray with me? Father, you are indeed good, and you're indeed holy. And Father, I pray for all of us that as we celebrate this morning, as we continue to sing our praises, as we uh, now get to dedicate a few children unto you, as we get to enjoy a meal together and, and fellowship with one another, I pray that we would hold these two ideas in tension, that you are, are, are holy, you are supremely above us, set apart from us, and because you have sent your son to dwell among his people, because he laid down his life so that we can dwell with you forever and ever, Father, that is reason to celebrate. It's reason to rejoice. It's the best reason of all to have a party. And so, Father, we do indeed dedicate not only this service, but our church and our very lives to you. And we do this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.